Thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of Secret Friends Unite. Go to manscaped.com, use code SFU, and get 20% off and worldwide free shipping. Thank you, Manscaped. Now on with the show. Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 406. This is your guide to the geek side. Uh, this is only one of our audio podcasts you can listen to on our network feed. You can also get Holocron Chronicles for all things Star Wars. You can get all things Star Trek with code 47, and you can get all things video games with co-op mode. When you're done listening, go check out our video feed on YouTube. See all of our faces in more places. See our backgrounds. See our antics. That's all we ask. Subscribe, comment, and tell us what you like about Secret Friends Unite. With that, I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, from beautiful Savage, Minnesota, the land of negative one. Ooh, really? It's that cold there right now? Yep. That's. I mean, it's not really that cold here. Charlie Carden, by the way, Grand Rapids, Michigan, we do have over a foot of snow. Um, very, very glad that we went with the plow service, because yikes. Um, and got a fire in the fireplace, which, of course, Todd will make fun of because Todd is afraid of fire. I don't know if you knew that. Well, as long as no <laughs> fireplace maintenance is being done while we're recording, you can love your fireplace as much as you want. And, and we'll I will see. say, yes, snowplows are mandatory because uh, since we got ours fixed, used it multiple times, it's great. Uh, snowplow service, unfortunately for us, don't work because you cannot control when that snowplow service comes. That's so, true. Um, That's, and then when the road yeah. crew comes – and put just yeah. snow in the front of your driveway, you still got to do some work. So yeah, um, no, I was thinking true. about that's that. True. I was thinking about that, but it's like some days it's like, if it's really bad, you could be waiting three hours for Mr. Plow to show up. And if you that's have someplace true. to be kind of sucks, but you that's know what? True. It's great for people that have it. Cause yeah, yeah. snow sucks. Yeah. Especially when you get to be our, our ripe old age, pushing the big five Oh, almost Todd's closer than me, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know what though? It's not how old you are. It's how you feel. Oh. And I feel pretty great today because we're going to be talking about avatar, the way of water. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait to hear Charlie's. I don't even want to guess your opinion of this movie because you've sometimes changed horses midstream so we'll see how this goes i absolutely went in with an open mind i will tell you that and that's why after hating it for five years come on is it like 12 years five years no but i mean you know what i saw that um Mm -hmm. i saw that the uh, the critics were weighing in i saw that audience was weighing in and i was thinking you know what maybe i'll just go in there and we'll see what happens and you'll have to wait for the end of the show to see what I thought. Absolutely. So that's that's the kicker of the show. This is going to be coming out the week of Christmas, this episode. You'll get it on Tuesday. So um, at this point, uh, you know, folks, have a great holiday. And then we'll have a New Year's episode as well to get you through the year uh, that is 2022. Yes, indeed. But before we do that, we've got to look at this incredible cover. Again, we're sticking with uh, the last digit here. This, so this is issue six of The Incredible Hulk from March of 1963, which you see on your screen right now if you're a YouTube viewer. And if you are, please like and subscribe and give us a big smiley face. Um, but he's taken on my guy. You know, I'm going to put my glasses on to read this squint. Even with your limitless strength, 
Even your limitless strength cannot save you from me, Hulk. This is Stanley all over the place. It's a big word bubble. All the metal on earth is mine to command, for I am the metal master. And believe it or not, even though there's a couple of army guys in the background saying, if the Hulk can't handle the metal master, that could mean the end of the human race. Uh, I think I see Magneto coming right up behind him with a cease and desist letter. What do you think? Was this before the X-Men? When did the X-Men come out? Also in 63. Maybe this just beat them to the punch. What do you think? No? Yes, no, maybe? Uh, I was muted. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yes, X-Men definitely followed um, after there you uh, go. this. But he could have been an influence to Magneto. I guess he's also riding clearly a yellow piece of metal, so he tore apart a school bus. Somewhat equally, it's just there's a, a lot. Cab. There's a lot going on here. He's also using a chunk of metal to wrap the Hulk in, like monkey bars, like you would see on the playground. Um, but I thought the most striking part of it, and Todd, you did some research because you 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 wouldn't accept my notion that the Hulk didn't always wear a purple speedo, which is what he's wearing here. So, um, yes. A lot going on here, and I can uh, definitively say that I am not curious to see how it turned out. Pretty sure the Metal Master got killed, though. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and, and to be honest, the Hulk was very one-note for so long. I mean, it was the it was Frankenstein's monster for right. how many episodes and right. issues, and then they finally played around with his persona and yeah. did different things, but that wasn't like until almost 200 issues, or maybe almost 300. And it's it's crazy because reading you know the Marvel uh, the handbook to the the Marvel Universe as I did like wrote when I was you know when I was a pre teenager there were just a ton of characters introduced in the Incredible Hulk so the creative team what was that Roy Thomas wasn't he the writer on that like for absolutely forever the Stan Lee wrote everything in the beginning and then he started yeah, to, he started I mean, to hand it off as time went by. Yeah, it really was one of those things where it was like, oh, in this issue, because that's what they did. They didn't have a lot of, sometimes not always a lot of compelling storylines, but they would just pump in new supervillains. Right, exactly. Like B tier, C tier. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's it's the UFOs. The, the UFOs, UFOs was, the ex- was the exact one I was thinking of, which was the yeah. UFOs actually played a pretty pivotal role in the most recent uh, Spider-Man one where the the, the Beyond storyline where Ben Riley came back. Peter Parker was out of being Spider-Man because he was poisoned by the UFOs and he was in the hospital for like two years in real time. Yeah, that's a, that that's got to be a hell of a bill. <laughs> you know, I always think like, what is the what do the UFOs do for like their ongoing income? Because they, I mean, they're, they're in jail villains. half the time though, right? Right. Right. Who's paying the bills? I don't know. But one thing that does pay the bills around here uh, that would be the hot scoops. That we get at low, low, low prices. I think we negotiated for probably 10 cents a scoop uh, is our latest deal with our 122-year-old senior news correspondent. I'm talking about Madam Webb down at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Let's see what she's talking about this week. Let's go. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Oh, I know you are excited for the holidays. You've put out your pantyhose. Unfortunately, at this point, uh, they are so holy, you will probably not have anything stay within them. So That's holy um, with an E. H-O-L-E dash Y. Not like the Holy Spirit. Not blessed. <laughs> not blessed. No. So, Madam Webb, maybe if you're lucky this year, Santa Claus brings you a new set of pantyhose. Um, although I don't know if they make uh, the size that you need or the fact that they'd be so stretchy they might go over your head who knows or you might use them in rob banks 
Could be with the holes. She'd have eye holes. Oh, what do we got up first, Todd? Uh, you know, here's here's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, get ready to catch up on all those shows that you've only watched one episode of because there could be a writer's strike in Hollywood. This article, which was just dropped today from uh, CBR, uh, does cite um, a potential strike uh, around Netflix and Warner Brothers drama. So I guess, I, I don't know, I guess digging a little bit deeper, what what exactly uh, do they mean by those two things? Oh, they mean like cancellations of shows. So if you think about it, like I'm a writer, I've got a gig, it's great, I've got a show on Netflix, lasted a season, no, right. cancel, canceled, you're done. Um, so essentially- and with, Yeah, and with yeah. Warner's as well, with Discovery coming in and they're swinging the ax and like, we're canceling this thing, we're canceling der-der-der. Yeah, yeah and, and I think we've noticed that there is so much content now the quality of writing is hit and miss at best Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, back in the day in 1988, there was a strike. There was a strike in 2008. There was far less shows. So you had so much more uh, talent concentrated on a far less that you got fantastic seasons of shows where it was like, wow, like comedy and things like that. Now you've got, I mean, I just can't even imagine how many shows are currently in production uh, by writing staff, things like that. And then you get famous and then you go off and write something uh, right. and then they lose talent there. So, right, um, right, right. Yeah. So what, what, I mean, what's going to be the ultimate aim of this? I mean, it, kind of in the atmosphere that you described um, with, you know, t- you know the, the famous adage, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many cooks spoil the broth. Um, this will be a strike that, you know, in, in terms when it gets resolved, is this going to see a, a contraction in the industry, are we going to go back to less and and going back to having less? Is that going to be another double edged sword? We'll we'll have less, but maybe it'll be crappy because the the pay rate is lower and we're going to miss out on great things. Where's all that going to go? You know what I mean? I mean, it's just it's 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 it's, it's interesting and and kind of scary all at the same time. Yeah, and it's really hard to say uh, to your point. How, when would we see the impact of these if it does happen? How right. long would a strike take? Uh, what would they get out of the strike? Because obviously, we want people to be, you know, to, wages to keep up with where we're at with with inflation. Right. Um, and then, uh, I mean, if you're in the middle of a production and it gets halted, that's one thing. If you're right. in pre-production or you're getting things going, your project could eventually die because right. by the time the strike is settled. Maybe they decide oh, we're not going to go forward with your project because right. time, money, anything like that. And we've been seeing, I guess, the writing on the wall. Bob Iger um, has kind of said he's in favor of quality over quantity. So once again, we could see far less products projects going forward because mm-hmm. they want to save money. And that's a good way to do it. Netflix is the same way. They they were giving out huge contracts for people. Uh, a billion shows were coming out. And is that really worthwhile? Um, because people just can't keep up anyway. So is it better to have less and have more significant launches? That's kind of the Apple TV Plus model. Right. They've only got like one show at a time. And that's typically it. I think at most they put out 12 shows a year. Right. Right, right, and but the question becomes then is is that model effective? Because I mean, if Netflix is at the heart of what's going on here, what they're doing is not because it's crank, 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 and um, and as you've said, and as we predicted, you know, the, can you know different networks and whoever it is, different streamers who aren't really making it are going to fold back in, and that's going to fold back in even further. So I don't know. It's interesting. This gives a a, a, a drop dead date to say May first. 
Um, this called Guild member to question whether the committee's response uh, to current contracts expiring on May 1 uh, will be what triggers the strike. So this is interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah, anything in production now, but yeah, anything slated to be done later in 2023 could be at risk. So interesting. Um, it would affect Absolutely. every show, every show out there. So yeah, and then you'd see potentially like we saw shows that they either have shortened seasons. Uh, you see things delayed, and we saw like a lack of movies last year. Really, and the last thing movie theaters in Hollywood wants is less good movies because that's detrimental and affects their box office. TV, I think it's less impactful because. I'm sure there's shows that they just held on to mid-season replacements. They can always put stuff out there that they probably got in the bank. But movies, that seems less likely to be a good thing. Right, 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 right. Mm, well, one thing that uh, moving on, one thing is, that's in the can, and one thing and I talked about this in our last episode, and I talked about a lot on Code Forty Seven because it's Star Trek related. Is season three of Picard? This article here focuses on uh, upcoming tension between Picard and the returning Beverly Crusher, who we have not seen in 20 whole years, um, back for season three. Uh, season three, terrifying to a Star Trek fans because Picard has been really a mixed bag. I enjoyed the first season. The second season was garbage. And uh, this is supposed to bring the entire TNG cast together for what could really be a send-off, a real send-off for them. Um, and anyway, one of the more complicated relationships that has not been touched, wasn't really touched in Nemesis at all for all the failings of that film, uh, and not really since the series, which is now almost 30 years since it ended, is Picard and Crusher. They had been friends forever when they started, you know, when the two characters met on the show, you know, when we met them on the show in the first point, um, Picard and Beverly's late husband had been best friends. Uh, Jack Crusher was his name. He was, you know, the first officer on Picard's ship, the Stargazer. There was a, an undefined accident that Picard had to make a choice uh, between saving two people, and, and Jack Crusher died because of that. But somehow he and Beverly maintained this friendship, slash, will they, won't they? And, and they never really did, with the exception of an alternate reality, whatever, in the last episode of TNG. So 20 years gone by. And just Patrick Stewart is talking about his interactions with Beverly in the show being really strong, uh, kind of emotionally naked is the word. Hopefully not naked, naked, because I'm not, I don't know that I want to see either one of them naked, quite frankly. Um, but I think this seems really interesting. I mean, Todd, I mean, of the TNG relationships that you found the most interesting, where'd you sit with Picard and Crusher? Was that of note? Not really. I mean... Um, I really liked her character, um, mm -hmm. and uh, she was a strong voice, a strong woman. Uh, you know, I, sometimes they would challenge each other, which I appreciated. But did I feel like, oh, I was really invested in shipping them, and will they yeah. or they won't they? It just never, I mean, there was a lot more, obviously, on Troy and her paramours than anybody yeah. else. That was well, yeah, and yeah. Troy and Riker were the you know yeah they they were in the past and then throughout the show they never really did and then the that last movie that Nemesis ended with them getting married or the the second to last movie and and ended with them rekindling and then the next movie they got married and then and we saw them in Picard season one having built a life and then they they had two kids one of whom you know passed away prematurely and then they were living in exile and but Riker came back to save the day at the end of Picard season one and. Um, yeah, just a lot of, you know, last week we saw what Worf is doing and, uh, you know, the story that we talked about. And we just know that everybody's going to be back. And even Brent Spiner is going to be back in the form of potentially 
Worf's evil brother lore. We saw that in a trailer mm-hmm. several months ago. So, you know, this, I hope this, you know, this quote is, again, I keep using the word double-edged sword in this episode, but it could be Patrick Stewart trying to talk things up, and maybe it's not that, or maybe what he's representing is really real, and it's going to be, you know, dramatically awesome. So, fingers crossed, we see Picard on February 16, right before the cruise, and then I'll miss an episode, but you won't miss an episode of Code 47 because Katie is going to be taking over for me while I'm on vacation and producing the show. So I'm I'm excited to see how she and Peter carry on without me. Hopefully I won't come back to find out they've replaced me for good. Like, who's this guy? They, they canceled <laughs> the show, actually. Yes. Oh, we thought this was a perfect time to cancel the show. Exactly. Yes, we we our, accomplished and, all our goals. In our, in our um, Secret Friends Network, there'll just be an X through, <laughs> through Code 47. It's gone. It's out. Canceled. Canceled. Oh, wow. oh boy. Yeah, Charlie, they found some of your old tweets. They canceled. Oh you. man, yeah. Well, that that's fair. Oh, that's funny. We segue right into the next story about somebody's old tweets. Who have we got here? Oh, it's James Gunn. Todd, what's, what's going that? on? What, what's oh, going these on? These are new tweets. Uh, oh, okay. so these are new tweets. Yes. Uh so DC News is hot and heavy, but the good thing about this is James Gunn is like heavily involved in kind of policing the rumors, which, which, wow. is, which is kind of nice. That's got get some of these reports that says, this is what's going on. And it's like, but nobody officially said that this is just lots of rumors and news right. and things like that. So James Gunn has kind of had to be the, the cleaner kind of like the guy from Pulp Fiction, Harvey Keitel's character, the The wolf. wolf. Yeah, exactly. Cleaning up the mess. So James Gunn's having to pick this up. And I know there's a lot of negative feelings. Um, and we'll talk about Henry Cavill a little bit later, but, uh, essentially Henry Cavill has now met with James Gunn, Peter Safran. They talked and essentially saying his version of Superman will no longer be moving forward. Uh, but they said they met amicably and they've opened doors to say he could come back in potentially another role, which leads us into the story that is out there is people want to know, will Superman be a big part of the future of DC? Uh, essentially? Yes. Uh, we are going to get a new Superman, uh, a new actor playing him. James Gunn is be writing a, is going to be the writer of the Superman movie, but it's going to be not an origin film. And it's going to be Clark, a young version of Clark Kent in Metropolis, which is an era that we rarely have gotten with Superman because he's always been like, uh, right. Mary with Lois. Smallville is the one that I think of because the last Lois and Clark. Yeah. The last like show. Yeah. That last like quarter of that show was them and them in Metropolis uh, working at the daily planet. Poor Chloe before her, you know, we watched the rest of the vow. Ouch. Poor Chloe before her life went down the tubes. That poor woman. Yeah. Uh, well, not really. She's in prison for what she did. So I guess she's not so poor. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of excited about this because um, I think a good part of Superman, which always gets, has gotten a short shift lately, has been Clark Kent and mm-hmm. his relationship and building bonds with other characters. And it's always it's kind of shifted to just Superman and him punching things. That has never been the most interesting part of Superman to me. It's been the dichotomy of Clark Kent, uh, you know, leveraging his relationships, balancing his life, uh, and making him more human because of the relationships he shares. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, and we did get some of that with, obviously, Christopher Reeve, where you saw his portrayal of Clark Kent mm-hmm. and some of the relationships there, and we loved it. And um, I think there's a lot you can do with it, and this is a way for them to basically start fresh with Superman, not rehashing the origin, and right. not making everything with Superman 
doomsday, end of times, but having some adventures that I think could be really fun. So, right. I don't know. Charlie, yeah. um, when it comes to this, we've seen so many takes on Superman. Is this a take that you feel like might get new people in the door with Superman? I mean, I think, as I mentioned, Smallville had a piece of this, and I think Smallville is particularly, and, and it's not necessarily younger people because Smallville was on, you know, it debuted 20 years ago, it was on for 10 years, so we're now 10 years past that being uh, gone, but it was on for 10 years. So it really brought people into the universe. Smallville did a really great thing uh, for developing a lot of those JSA slash second string Justice League characters, you know, giving us a version of the Arrow and Flash and Aquaman, who later came back as the Hawk and Dove guy. And he's Jack Reacher. That dude is just like, oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, but, but again, that show ended with. And there was a very time jump at the end where he was finally Superman. But they, the last, like I said, quarter of that show um, was them being in Metropolis and being young and, and his group of friends and them still doing their thing, but not actually in Smallville. Um, and I think that that captured a generation of Superman fans who obviously really liked it. The show was very popular. so um, But it's not a take that's been, as you said, uh, really done in – a consistent lens. It's always been, yeah, you know, well, here's, yeah, here's him and Lex Luthor. Here's him in Doomsday. Here's him in Brainiac. Dur, 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 dur. You know what I mean? So it's always the same beats, kind of like Spider-Man and we're going to have him fight the Green Goblin again, you know, which is, you know, or we're going to have yeah all the beats like for the um, Andy Garfield's Spider-Man movies that I really felt didn't work. Um, so it's it's a good take. It's, you know, it's it's a fresh take, which is really the best that you can do after, you know, with a comic book character that's, you know, damn near 100 years old. You have got to dig uh, to find a fresh angle. So good, you know, good for them for trying. And, and again, good for him for managing just looking at these some of these tweets it's funny that very first person uh that you were quoting made it was a conspiracy theorist how much did disney pay you to screw over the only thing dc has going for it <laughs> exactly and he's like saying that um yeah oh, I mean, he's, he's saying, saying it unironically un without a doubt yeah oh my god people yeah, just friggin' people and I, I, I'm glad that he is at least clearing the air, but he does not have time to just be addressing everything on Twitter. He does to be, not have to, that. To be the idiot police, essentially. Yeah. I, you know what, Charlie? I am hoping we don't hear from DC for quite some time. Yeah. Until go, they have something to actually officially announce. Go and retool and don't – yeah, exactly. Let come, come back stronger because, you know – Marvel, Marvel seems to be in kind of a rebuilding phase. This could be DC's time. This could be DC's time. That's what I'm saying. Things are cyclical. Things are yeah. always cyclical. And gotcha. they will, I mean, we had like Spider-Man and the X-Men were the biggest thing in the world and they kind of fell apart. Then right. you got uh, the Nolan Batman films. Great. And then you right. got, so yeah, things are yeah. definitely very cyclical. So we'll, we'll see how so. this goes. Yeah. Well, what, what's the cycle for Henry Cavill and, and the popular miniature war game? <laughs> That, that is funny, yes. <laughs> I, what? I put the first one there about Henry Cavill's not doing the role. He yeah. was in it. It's funny because he was essentially paid almost $500,000 for his cameo in Black <laughs> Adam and Flashpoint. They won't be using Flashpoint. Apparently, the. the but they got the Black money. Adam, the Black Adam cameo was like 15 minutes. It was like, it's like that's all it took to film, I mean, which is funny. Oh, because, yeah, because it was all of like 15 seconds on screen. Exactly. If that, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's crazy. We filmed in a garage somewhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I'm, and I'm sure I'm sure 10 of the 15 minutes was getting him into that suit. <laughs> yeah. And the flashpoint we're hearing now that essentially the flashpoint is going to be, you know, all about basically 
rebooting and anything that was filmed that potentially could lead to something else is going to be cut. So oh, gosh. I can't it's, wait to see that movie. I know. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the train wreck of all train wrecks. It's going to be eight minutes long. <laughs> exactly. Somebody <laughs> said, nope, it's going to be the first film officially released on TikTok three minutes at a time. Oh my God. I, I believe it. Oh, <laughs> I sounds, love like, it. sounds like Quibi. It's Quibi all over again. It's all those reels <sighs> on Facebook. Oh, well. Um, yeah. So uh, Henry Cavill is a huge geek. He was in the Witcher. He's no longer on that. He's no longer at Superman. So what does a guy do? It's got lots of time on his hands. He potentially gets Amazon to make a series, which he's going to star in, on something he absolutely loves, which is the Warhammer 40K series. It's awesome. miniatures that you can paint and make little war battles. It's video games. It's novels. It's everything. It's animation. I, I mean, I've seen Warhammer in shops everywhere for yes. 30 years you'll go in and you'll go into a comic shop and they got racks and maybe they got some collectibles and the back half of the store are these big flat tables you know the size of two two dining room tables going straight down there it's a rectangle of little mountains and little dudes and little and, and then if you go in there when it's busy there'll be 20 really smelly nerds around moving their little things around sorry if that's one of you but i mean you know what observe the smell Tell me I'm wrong. Moving their little things around, and I got a campaign. We're going to march up this mountain. And da, da, da. I mean, people absolutely love on that shit. This is going to be huge. I think this is going to be huge. Yeah, my my buddy that uh, he's oh, Bob, Bob before Colonel Bob yeah. before big into Warhammer. Yeah. Paints all the figurines. Uh, sometimes I think that's all people do is just paint them. They rarely get together. Well, it's um, like but, it's like it's like collecting figures, except the figures yeah. that I buy, I don't have to do anything but put them on my shelf and hope they don't fall over. Now that's <laughs> something that somebody should do is like create like a that type of tabletop, but you actually use action figures with it because oh, I would love that so would could, make more sense. I could assemble my Avengers and then like the Masters yeah. of Evil and make them have like you because it would just be like you know here and there's a mountain between them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do exactly. that with Lego. You can do that with Lego minifigs. Think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Anything easier could still be, could be used for it. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So um, <clears throat> this is going to be interesting. Amazon is going to adapt this, and we really haven't gotten. I think there's been animated movies of Warhammer. Beyond that, we haven't had a live action theatrical release. We haven't had a TV series. To your point, Charlie, it's been around since 1987. Wow. Um, I'm just like, curious, like Robotech. <laughs> how do they go from like expanding it to a broader audience mm -hmm. that could be like, I've never heard of this thing, but it seems like something I could enjoy regardless of understanding what it is. I mean, that's a right. hard, you know, thing to do because right. it's like D and D how many movies, successful D and D movies have there been? They're they're hoping on a new one in March. They're hoping on one. <laughs> <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. I gotta start you gotta start with one. And yeah, they, they haven't had it. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, Warhammer is kind of an uh, interesting thing because 40k is like more of the space marines and things like that. But it has Ooh. a mixture of like fantasy elements, even though it's futuristic. It's very, very different than they have other Warhammer as well, which is like kind of more of the fantasy element. So uh, but Henry Cavill is like a big fan of this stuff. So um, and he was a big fan of The Witcher, too. So um, we'll see how this goes and if it becomes a thing and if it will be something that can really launch the tabletop geek genre forward versus just still being kind of a niche, niche thing right. that people see in a store, but know nothing about. Right. Exactly. So that'd be cool. Do we have uh, any, any harder information? This was just announced, but not like, and it's going into production. You'll see it. It's been in production. So probably two years, 2025. 
yeah. at the soonest, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but something we'll have sooner, speaking of March, ooh, beware of the Ides of March with Scream 6. And I, I have to admit, I do love uh, how they handle the logo with this. So we got just a teaser, which is not more than 60 seconds. I just watched it. Um, of our characters, including Jenna Ortega, who was just on Wednesday, which, you know, her dance has gone viral and I, we need to finish watching that show. But hopefully if, um, you know, they go on a writer's strike, I'll have lots of time to watch shows like that. But at any rate, we see our characters, including Jenna Ortega from the last film, which I absolutely slept through the theater, so I don't remember anything about it except... Oh, really? She's the daughter of the killer from the first movie. Isn't that how that worked out? She is the, yeah, she is the daughter of, yes. Uh, Skeetal, which is character. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, but anyway, the, all, it, it, you know, there's a setting in New York City. You get the you know classic pull in over one of the Triborough bridges and streets. And you know, we see a bunch of our characters on the subway and it's Halloween because people run around in costumes. And as they're riding the subway car, more and more people pop up with the screen, the scream face mask. And they're dressed and one of them starts moving closer and closer and closer and grabs one of our characters by the throat. And then you see the logo, which I love, is that it says scream and uh, Knife slashes past it. It starts to bleed over, turning the M into a V and an I. Scream six. I thought, you know what? That's pretty smart. Scream I like that. Scream yeah. it. Scream the scream remix. Let's keep let's keep our Kelly out of it, please. Yeah. The the <laughs> uh, it's got the the cast is a mix of returning alumni from the last film, but also folks from previous movies like Hayden Pentieri is coming back, which is kind of oh. Cool. Yeah, yeah, she was the one that they filmed in Metro Detroit back when Michigan yeah. had the had the tax credits like 15 years ago. Yeah, uh, Dermot Mulroney. I guess this is the oh. first time for him. Okay, which I, means I'm, I'm sure he'll get killed. Because um, yeah. <laughs> in the last movie, didn't they, they brought back uh, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox? Did they both make it? I think they both made it. But well, one. yes, but apparently Nev Campbell is not going to be in this due to oh. either schedules or payment. One Ooh. of the two. You know, yeah. people do people, you know, it, it's crazy, but people do like to get paid for this kind of shit. It's, it's, they, uh, they do. Lo- they do. Known, Especially since she's been in, I think well, she was the core of the first film. Well, yeah. The first, uh, yeah. the first, the first three or four films. Yeah, absolutely. So well, maybe they'll just kill her off and off, off panel. And oh, say, well, oh yeah, well, well, that's what they did with Jamie Lee in one of the now non canonical Halloween yeah. movies. Yeah. They killed, they just killed her off on a roof or something. Jason kicked her off or, or uh, Michael. Oh my God. Michael Myers kicked her off a roof or something. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. But, I, I uh, did but, think this was kind of cool because it is in a uh, urban setting versus right. suburban, which right. is kind of neat. And that's kind of scary because you think about how crowded it is in the city and just like anybody could all of a sudden just do something and kind of sneak away and not even be seen. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. how do you find the killer? I mean, it's a city of what? Six million. I mean, 10. Yeah. yeah. Oh, on, Manhattan, yeah. It, it, on Manhattan Island. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah to, uh, to, 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 to on your suspects. To quote the Lonely Island, Manhattan is crowded as F and it's covered in trash. <laughs> a great place to visit, doesn't it? It's an expensive oh, trash hole. Yes. Oh, my God. So, oh, moving on to uh, some unhappy news. Now, Todd, you're the Buffy fan. Yes. Way in about way in about this. It's interesting to finally hear it from the star. Something that's been going around about uh, the creator for a number of years, or uh, for yeah. at least the last couple of years. Yeah, it's 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 really been disappointing as a as a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer to hear so much of how Joss Whedon is a toxic guy. Uh, played politics with his actors. Um, was kind of not exactly on the up and up 
Yeah. I mean, he he portrayed himself and his scripting and of his characters on the screen as being very pro feminist and uh, really mm-hmm. highlighting more, uh, you know, being more sympathetic with teen characters and putting them more of a realistic light. Love those elements behind the scenes sure. stuff. That's, that's a harder that's, thing to like clarify, especially you stuck, yeah. when you're an actor, young actor or actress um, who at the time was dependent on Joss Whedon for their careers. Make or break. Am I going to get cast? Will I continue to be on these shows? So most people were not brave enough at the time to come out because there was very little people listening to them. There right. wasn't social media. There wasn't things like that. So we're just hearing now um, other people have come out. Uh, Charisma Carpenter is like one of the most outspoken. We've already heard from her. Other people have came forward to support her. But now uh, Sarah Michelle Geller is finally really in the first right. time we've really heard her really be really outspoken, speak to it, talking about the toxic male set, basically talking about how females on set were not allowed to really be friends because they felt like it would be if they were friendly together, they might actually push back. Unionize. Against- well, yeah, we'll just even uh, collaborate just, to say yeah. that's not okay to do those things. We're going to push right. back, right? Um, no, and 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 that uh, is the exact opposite. It's, it's almost like I said. We just finished watching, you know, the vow and the guy that ran that. I mean, it was a cult, and the thing about cults is they want to keep people separated in that way because putting people together to have shared thoughts that are contrary to. What the, he gave it, it was. I was so curious when we finished watching it that I went back and watched the first one. He called himself the prefect. He was the pre, which it was just a title that he gave himself, and he likened it to being Perfect. a, um, a basically being a martial art. Well, in martial arts, you call the guy teaching you a master. master. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, yikes! Yeah. But it's the same thing. It was it was kind of a cult of personality where it sounds like he was cultivating um, this air where he was the king and got to call the shots, and uh, it was his fiefdom, and he didn't want he didn't want women i mean this turned out to be kind of anti-woman if you know so many corroborating stories between these various female actresses are true he didn't yeah he just saw that as a threat to his you know supremacy and so what better way than you know to divide people than to keep them from getting together yeah and and she's i mean she's got a new show coming out called the wolf pack which looks fairly interesting it's a genre show where she's brought in like as a special agent she's tracking down like some deaths and it kind of comes out there actually is a cult of like wolf coven or something like that which i could be interested in uh i think that's coming out on paramount plus to be honest I well all the good stuff's on paramount plus that's what i that's what i mean even when i i probably mentioned but my uncle tim my mom's oldest brother moved back to michigan after many years away we were we were having coffee a couple weeks ago talking about streaming services and i said i could boil it down to three for you if you're gonna pick hulu netflix paramount plus but if you're gonna pick one paramount plus because he's a Star Trek guy like me. He's an older guy. Older people love CBS. Tell me tell me, I'm wrong. Um, but Paramount Plus is consistently cranking out I mean, good stuff. I mean, I'm going to talk about a new, a new show here in a minute that, that just came out today that Paramount Plus turned out. Yeah, it does. I mean, they do a good like mix because they have CBS, Viacom. They have uh, all the Star Trek, Nickelodeon. So they do yeah. have like a diverse portfolio, which yeah. makes it very attractive. They have, you know, you can watch the CBS Live. You can watch the NFL on it. So it, it gives that's, you a lot enormous, more. Yeah. Like, like Hulu doesn't have ABC streaming. It doesn't have sport. It has some sports, uh, right. you know, and I think of like, what's the other one? So it'd be a Peacock. Yeah. I think has some sports, um, yeah. but it's a mixed bag as well. So, yeah, it's everybody's finding their way, but Paramount Plus has been consistent with at least yeah. if you love Star Trek, that is the place right. to be. And I think that's still the biggest draw, um, right. which is which is still, you know, 
that, that's a lot for people. So that's good. And they continue yeah. to, they continue to crank out new, new content as you know, one of the podcasts I listened to Star Trek podcast that we're in really a second golden age where we have five or six shows in production. We never had that in the old days. We, we had two, you know, longer seasons, but you know, five shows of, of 10 episodes each is plenty because they're all different and you know, the yeah. diversity, diversity is king. So, yeah. Um, well, so I was going to say one last thing on this Buffy story. I, I love the franchise so much. Sometimes you have to divorce yourself from the creator because yeah. you, you yep. start realizing that JK you know, Rowling, this was probably not uncommon for a show from that era. Charlie, mm-hmm. if we probably went back to see other shows, we probably hear very similar things. It was the boys club. It oh, was big time. accepted and, People were hushed away. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, actress Terry Farrell, who was Jadzia Dax on Deep Space Nine, left that show. Her character was killed off at her request uh, before the beginning of the final season, so the end of season six of, of seven, because she was loggerheads with Rick Berman, who was the Joss Whedon of Star Trek. You know, he was the do no wrong George Lucas, you know, wrapping his gavel. And he, you know, essentially is the guy who ran Star Trek into the ground with the very next show that they, you know, with the next show that they did, which was Enterprise. Uh, and then he disappeared from it altogether. Star Trek takes this, you know, coma nap and comes back and it's got a completely different team and a completely different vibe. So, and without a Rick Berman-esque kind of individual who's, you know, espousing, you know, that kind of stuff, like what we're hearing, obviously, from Jess Weed. But yeah, you're right. 80s, 90s, and before, yeah, it was, was, was not friendly to women, clearly, in yeah. TV in any way, shape, or form. Well, jo- uh, Disney Plus, Disney owns Buffy now, I believe. Mm-hmm. My only hope is maybe we can get it rebooted and get different creative staff behind it and take the core idea of Buffy, mm-hmm. refresh it for modern times, because right. it is still a very 90s show. Totally right. Get it. Um, and bring it into the modern age. I, I think that would be great, because uh, I did enjoy the comics that were essentially extensions after the show ended, um, mm-hmm. and I would like to see more of that. Uh, but if not, oh well, I'll just enjoy what I got when I got it, and will not try to support Joss Whedon in the future. Yeah, very true. Well, that takes us out of the news, but before we do that, as always, support for Secret Friends Unite is brought to you by Manscaped the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Man- oh, geez. What Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SFU at manscaped.com. My math is correct, and like I said, I've been saying this for months now, 12 million, me, Mark, Todd, your head, 12 million and seven, seven, 12 million and seven balls. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's a lot of balls. It is. And you need to use the right tool for the right job. I mean, your your nose, you've got the weed whacker, you you, you know, your your ears, you've got your, your noggin, your back or your other parts you've got the um the the lawnmower so it's appropriately and then you've got your your refreshing you've got your your crop preserver and refresher for making sure you are feeling good after you take care of all that stuff but charlie tell you we're short on time for shipping so by the time you get this probably too late for christmas but i'll tell you new resolutions new right. grooming methods for Clean the it up. Yep. you know what it's the perfect time to do this so go to manscape uh santa claus you know santa balls might maybe not get it to you but baby new year might deliver it to you 
You better believe it. And don't forget, a lot of people end up celebrating Christmas in January, schedules and things. So you never know. Makes it makes a great birthday gift too for those early. Well, you know, Valentine's birthdays. is coming up, and you know what's the best gift you can give to your loved one? Uh, uh, being well groomed. <laughs> a, a grooming tool for those those the, for your for your hairy loved ones. Anyway, oh Todd, well with that, uh, it is time for us to get an Uber. Uh, the U- U- Uber, what is it? Fuber, feeble Uber. Uh, <laughs> older, an older, older uh, Uber driver. Got to get down to Skugtown, Nastyville, and talk about the Kikizi. Talk about what we're watching and reading. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy. Cover bands playing, drinks are poured, and we are ready to get our nerd on. So, Charlie, as I look at what you've been watching, we're back <laughs> into the, uni- the Yellowstone uh, Cinematic we Universe. Are. Yes. Of you know, old people soap opera dramas. Old people. You know what? And. You got to give Taylor Sheridan is the mastermind. And this dude, super talented, interesting guy from the Plain States, very invested in, you know, Native American culture. He ended up seeing it in a lot of his programs, a lot of his movies. He's got three shows on right now. He does have Yellowstone, which is in its fifth season. We watched that on Mondays. Um, he has Tulsa King, which is with Sylvester Stallone. Mob show about a mobster in prison for 25 years ends up in Tulsa, Oklahoma as his exile once he gets out. Uh, very interesting. And then so there's. I wouldn't even new- say that's the prison, is Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, I've been there, and yes, yeah, no, my ex-wife. That's where her, that's where oh, her mother lived. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So we went, and we Ooh. visited one Christmas or something. Oh God, this is a crappy place. Um, but uh, sorry, sorry if we, if we listeners in Tulsa, Oklahoma, please feel free to at me. Yes, uh, on no, Twitter. no, no swipe at, at Tulsa. Oklahoma. Yeah, no swipe at Tulsa. Sorry about that, but you started it, Todd. Um, but anyway, yeah, this is a show we've been talking about for a long time. So this is a. Sequel to the prequel and a prequel to the main show. Um, this is 1923, uh, which is uh, the ongoing saga of the Dutton family of Montana. Uh, 1883, we got that earlier this year. What's great is I was, um, speaking of that show, was in Detroit about a week or so ago, got my dad set up with Paramount Plus, he and my stepmother Michelle, crazy about 1883 and then started Yellowstone because I I got them my pass so they're watching that show now but um, Todd I talked about that show earlier this year I know that you're always just baffled by oh can't stand it but that show was it was the husband and wife duo of Tim McGraw and Faith Hill they were the, the, the Dutton family from you know Tennessee that was making their way west and their saga and everything that happened and they finally reached Montana and then subsequently both of them died the husband and the wife it's like the real version of oregon trail yeah exactly <laughs> you have died of dysentery um but their kid their kids survive but apparently what happened wasn't it this ongoing show is narrated by by the voice of elsa may who was the daughter from 1883 uh who it was funny that show began and ended with her um, you saw the thing that caused her to die, and then she died at the end of it, which was really it was no secret because um, she got shot through it. Shot, she got shot through and through with an arrow that was stuck in her and eventually killed her. Sorry, sorry for, for the spoiler. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so you know that was 1883 when the family reaches Montana, and uh, the, subsequently Tim McGraw's character dies. Uh, Faith Hill writes a letter to Tim McGraw's brother back east who is Harrison Ford and says, you know, please come save us. Take, Oh, you know, we're trying to do this thing, blah, blah. blah. And he leaves to get there 
uh, and it's 10 years after the fact because he mentions that he's been there since 1894. When he arrives, Faith Hill is dead and the kids are alive. So he adopts the kids. His wife is Helen Murin and they they take over building the dynasty. So we catch up with them. You know, it's now it's 40 years, you know, it's 30 years later after that. And you're saying that they're right in the thick of it. The two Dutton kids who we saw in flashbacks in Yellowstone and in 1883 they're grown one of them is on the on the ranch uh, riding side by side with Harrison Ford it's actor James Badge Dale who's been in a ton of stuff he was Jack Bauer's partner in one season of 24 that's how I know him but he was also always a villain in Iron Man 3 he was one of the extremists the main the main lieutenant that was James Badge Dale and so he and then the other brother um is a uh he was a World War One soldier he never came home after World War One and now he's a big game um, hunter stalker in Africa, which was like, oh, that was kind of kind of a weird way to take it. Um, so a whole chunk of that first episode deals with what the, what the brothers doing in Africa, and then it's dealing with um, a conflict between Harrison Ford's character because he's a livestock commissioner, which is actually something that ha- is happening in the main show with um, Kevin Costner's character, in addition to him being governor this season. The commissioner is like a sports league. Yeah, exactly. No, it's like, like Commissioner Gordon. Um, and then his him slugging it out with it's the cattle ranchers versus the sheep ranchers. And it's a it's it's a fight for land and stuff. So it's, it's all the, the elements that people love, obviously love about the first show or would be because it's the Yellowstone is wildly popular, which is crazy Absolutely. because it's on Paramount Network, which is a a joke and a half. My God, Todd, didn't you do look into it and found out that you oh, speak, it used to be Spike T. Yeah, and then Esquire and all these other things. I'm like, and I'm like, how do people get that network these days? Because I'm you like, just, you just you don't have like a deep cut of like YouTube TV that you get like the the extra package that nobody actually would ever sign up for. It's the it's the dark web of of streaming TV. Streaming Is it a TV standalone? Networks. Like you could like pay Amazon ten bucks for it. Well, we do. April and I buy the season. Oh, so well, you I, do. Yeah. Okay. We bought season four because we raced through seasons one through three because they were on. But no, I'm just saying, can you like go to Amazon and subscribe no, to just no, Paramount? No, Paramount can't do okay. it. You got to purchase. So we purchased season four and then we, we did a season pass for five. And then uh, I think Voodoo came along and said, buy seasons one through three. So now I've got all five seasons. That way my dad can watch it too. So that's, that's money well spent as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, dig it. This is Harrison Ford's. First real thing ever on television besides April's talking to me this morning and I got the change. She says, boy, has Harrison Ford ever done anything on TV? And I got to use my announcer voice. I said, the Star Wars holiday special. Literally the only other TV he's been on with the exception of the one guest spot he did on Young Indiana Jones where he was the bearded saxophone guy, which I play in a saxophone in, you know, 1950s Wyoming. I've talked about it before. Was that, uh, what was the name of the saxophone player that played by... um Bleeding Gums Murphy? No, from Parks and Rex. <laughs> oh, uh, Duke Dalton Silver. Duke yeah, Silver. <laughs> he, was, he was Duke Silver. Um, anyway, Harrison Ford is in this being Harrison Ford, old, grumpy, walking funny. Um, but just if you love Harrison Ford, you love Harrison Ford. I, I love – Helen Mirren is great in this. Well, anyway, and he's actually dating someone his old age in this versus yeah. like – Yeah, he's married to – he has an age-appropriate on-screen wife. Which yeah. is nice, um, but anyway, if you if you enjoy the show, or especially if you enjoy the stars, which I think is the big hook, I, I like it. We're in. It was very exciting. I mean, the first episode ended in a, a, a great final shot cliffhanger. Anyway, I would go out and see it again on Paramount Plus. Comes out every Sunday. Um, I, I recommend it, Todd. I know I'm not going to win you over, but 
For anybody I, listening to my voice. You know, it's funny because I've heard other people talk about it and like other things, and it just sounds like Yellowstone. Those people are the worst. They kill people. They have murder pits and things like that. Big time. Well, yeah. what, what, on Yellowstone, the big um, the big murder pit one is when someone tries to leave. First of all, all the ranch hands get branded with the Yellowstone whatever. And then if they try to they try to leave, it's funny. I, I saw this as a bumper sticker on someone's car in a Target parking lot in Mount Pleasant, Michigan earlier this year. They they get a ride to the train station, which means they drive them out to the edge of a cliff and shoot them in the head. <laughs> they're, yes, they're not good people. It's a real dichotomy. They're not as nasty on it's the It's like premise. if they were all JR on Dallas. Yeah, like every right. character was JR. It's a fa- well, you should say the daughter, Beth, on the main show. Holy shit, evil incarnate. Evil incarnate. But anyway, um, cool show. I would say check it out. Secondly, real briefly, because I know I talked about that for a long time, uh, use up my allotted time here. I have been, you know, using my time. I usually have my tablet with me when I'm traveling. So if I'm eating at a diner somewhere, I'm reading comics. Uh, and then, you know, if I go and do bio life. But I've been catching up on uh, the Star Trek comics. I've had a lot of them backlogged. So I'm reading some of the Mirror War ones now. I read a terrible one today. Uh, and I there are some newer ones based around... Star Trek Picard set after season two, so absolutely chock full of of these canonical inaccuracies that make it impossible for me to appreciate it. I was telling you and John about this earlier this week. Maybe stuff that would work for the uninitiated, but uninitiated people aren't going to comics and books to get more material because they're like, I just, I love the the Picard show so much and the new characters that I want to see more of it. Well, if I want to see more of it, I want to see it represented accurately and this one that i read the 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 picard stargazer one is set on the newer stargazer which we see in season two um but then it's all set up against a flashback of when picard met the romulans when he was on a mission on the original stargazer well that that predated the romulans uh being being back in the zeitgeist which didn't happen till tng so that drove me off up the damn wall and then they they can't decide what they want to do with the uniforms the art is really bad. So it was just, it was a bad experience overall. Um, there's a newer Star Trek comic, which stars Ben Sisko. It seems pretty faithful to canon. Worf is in it, Data, Tom Pierce. So it's like they, they kind of have a whoops all, all you know, main characters ship going off oops, on a mission. So, that, so that's the oops all berries. Yeah, that's the oops <laughs> all Crunchberry Star Trek comic. <laughs> exactly. Um and then I actually, you know, I, I went back to um, the Marvel Star Wars comics for the first time in a while. And again, super mixed bag since they took the licensee back over back again in 2015. Um, but they're doing some more interesting stuff. And again, we're between Empire and Jedi right now, which most people, it's generally understood to only be about a year. So I don't know how you're going to cram 50 issues or 75 issues into one year. Um, but they're doing some interesting stuff with, you know, the, the Rebel Alliance being on the ropes. They don't have any fleet left, but they finally get one tiny victory. And then it just starts to kind of wind their way back forward. And it's a little bit more of a of a military drama in just these last few issues that I, that I actually kind of enjoyed. Now, Is this could- the time of Dash Rendar? Bring uh, him in? They haven't brought him in yet. I don't know. What? You know, I'm, they wasted made him, opportunity, Charlie. They ended up making him canonical yes. through some weird little wrinkle. Exactly. Open like, the door, hey, one crack, yeah. and he'll come in. You bet he might. But I mean, He's I was the, I, the Kramer Cosmo entry. Exactly. Um, but I was. Um, yeah, I was. I was. I was mildly impressed but it could just as easily turn back to everybody has lightsabers again so I, i'm not not really holding no that's the high republic apparently yeah yes everybody with like yeah wookie, wookie lightsabers and like i was with talking about knot. in the last episode yoda with uh yoda as danny zuko so 
<laughs> oh, anyway, so that's it for me. What do you got? So, yeah, I, I changed one thing. I'll talk about that when I've watched, watched a little bit more of it, which is National Treasure, just dropped on Disney. It's their new series. But I'll talk about that more when I've watched yeah, more of it. Than April, April jumped right in and said, I heard it's terrible, but I really liked National well, Treasure. But anyway. Well, that's, that's why I'll, I'll, I'll watch more than one to really cement my thought process on it. Okay, okay. I want to show it to my wife and get an like, unfettered opinion on it because it will be interesting. Um, still, I've only seen the first National Treasure anyway, so I'm probably not the greatest person because maybe there's things in the second movie that, play into this but i don't know it could be i don't know i don't know are no. any of the original people in it they bring uh, back what's not part? that i'm aware of so far unless harvey Keitel was secretly in it or Catherine zeta jones no i don't think uh definitely not her but maybe him i don't know maybe no, was, i'm thinking of john voight john voight was yeah, john voight no i think john voight no i thought it was john voight first his voice but oh, it, was, okay. it was Harvey Keitel. Maybe, maybe all the old people sound the same. <laughs> maybe it's supposed to be the same character. I don't know. But anyway, no. moving on. Yeah. A, a moving on, exactly. So um, I don't know if we talked about it, Charlie, but I know you watched it, and I watched it as well, which was Spirited. Um, Spirited. That's the new Will Ferrell, uh, Ryan Reynolds um, oh, yeah. special. Yeah. I thought I thought it was delightful. Yes, absolutely. This is on Apple TV Plus, and actually they're releasing out into theaters as a sing-along version. Oh, so my have, God. Like, like we'll have like lyrics and a bouncing ball to sing along. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. That should yeah. be great for a laugh for about five seconds. Yeah. Uh, no, but anyway, I, yeah. It was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it because it was kind of a flimflam because I thought it was just going to be a, a a really spot on like Scrooged. That was all that was going to be. But I thought they layered on enough new ideas to that premise and they kind of treated like the Scrooge formula as kind of like a factor, like a, it was a company that essentially mm-hmm. they go and track down someone every year to basically lay out the the, the whole Scrooge formula. Which I thought was great. Like yeah, you've got totally. uh, uh, what's his? Yeah, I mean you've got the ghost, spirit, you know, Christmas present, past, and future, and that was Tracy Morgan. That was a phenomenal casting. <laughs> and it was his voice. I don't believe you. Did, did no, you I don't think he voice? turned into a skeleton. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but he didn't like pull his head off. He was like, and it's Tracy, and it's it's me, it's Tracy Jordan. No, no, never showed himself. Jenna Baloney. Yeah, Jenna Baloney. But no, I thought it was really well done. I thought the the songs were very clever, very, very fun. And, you know, they they give it our all. I mean, Will Ferrell kind of played a straight man to to a certain extent. It was Ryan Reynolds was the one that was kind of doing his own thing. And I just thought it was great. And this year, I think we've gotten some, and I love it that, that we can still get good holiday films. I think people feel like, oh, once you got past like 1987 or 1993 right. with Elf, everything is done. No, I think there's right. always an opportunity. Some have failed, like the new Home Alone was horrible. Uh, there's been other. I did, that. I did enjoy the new Christmas story. I talked about that. Totally. Absolutely. No, agreed. Agreed. That was fun. Yeah. So, to, to contain the spirit of the original instead of just an exploitation. Absolutely. I thought yeah. they did a good job. But I'm always curious if there's other ones that people would recommend. Let us know. You know, what yeah, you consider absolutely. good or fun or clever. Like Klaus is a great animated film um, that I really enjoyed. And that came out like a couple years ago on Netflix. So there's there's some good, there's some bad, and all the Hallmark movies you could ever want. I think I even mentioned, Charlie, there's uh, the Kiss Cam Christmas or something like that, which is just the, the 
it's the whole tiger town. This couple meets, they kiss on the screen at a hockey match, uh, hockey, uh, a hockey event, match, a sports, hockey sports, match. sports ball match. I don't watch sports, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're up at university of Minnesota Duluth. So I actually filmed it in Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, and every gotcha. time they go to uh, the, the, the bulldogs, which is the, the, the mascot there, they, every time they're in the kiss cam, the team wins. So that's the whole premise, you know, and then they break up, but they have to be on the screen to kiss. It's like really we're doing this now. So unbelievable. Yeah. Thank God my wife's not into those movies. <laughs> like uh, April's into those. Ron Burgundy would say she watches them without me. She does still watch a bunch of network okay. stuff, but that's her that's alone fair. TV time. But like that's Ron Bur- like Ron Burgundy would say, compelling and rich. Yes. Uh, it was funny because uh, Gary Witta, he's a writer who wrote uh, Rogue One. Right. Uh, he said, I think we should, he's going to team up with, he wants to team up with something, someone to make a geek-based Hallmark movie. He's like, hey, Hollywood executives, hire me. I'll make your crappy Hallmark movie, but with geeks. The I'm Avengers, like, yes, Christmas. I'm in. They tried to do that with the Guardians Christmas with the swole Groot. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Uh, although I will say one of the best Simpsons episodes recently was when they filmed the Hallmark movie in Springfield. <laughs> I got to see this. It was great. Skinner was, a, or uh, no, uh, Ned Flanders was essentially, was it Skinner or Ned Flanders? I can't remember. Um, was the lead. Oh, okay. Basically they cast him. It was great, Charlie. It was like two seasons ago. It's okay. really good. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I will watch it. I I will seek it out. Obviously, those are all on Disney Plus. So I'll have checked yeah, that out. Exactly. If, and if if April's a big fan of those movies, she'll she'll get a kick out of it because she'll see yeah. all the tropes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. And then one thing I want to call out is a series that is now out is done. It's not on anymore. Uh. But it is on uh, Hulu, and that's Superstore. I've heard um, so many things. Our uh, friend of the show, Courtney. Uh, my old friend really loves that show. What always was she was watching it, would always keep posting, keep posting. This America Ferrera was the star of that one, wasn't she? Absolutely. And then uh uh one of the kids in the hall, Mark McKinney, plays like the store manager and he has a very mm-hmm. funny voice. People call him like Kermit because he sounds like a Muppet. Oh god. Uh, but it is it is it's gotten better as it goes along. It builds. At first, mm-hmm. I was like, wasn't sure, but it is like a Parks and Rec. It's got lots of wacky characters. They do their thing, but it's got a lot of heart in it. Inner, it interacts very well, and then story beats come back from other things. Um, and my God, my wife is addicted to it. So she's like, "Are we going to watch our show, our program?" So Aww, she, you guys, all, and, I, and I know you guys don't watch a ton of shows together. So that's really well, that's really cool that you guys found something. We watch certain things together, but comedies right. has been one of those things. It's just we just haven't found a comedy we both really love together. So I started, yeah. I was watching. And she's like, "What is this show?" I'm like, "I think you'll like it." Um, right. So we were watching it, and she just has adored it. And the characters are wonderful. There's a heart to it. Um, lots of ongoing jokes. So I, I yeah. definitely, if you're looking for that, like just 22 minute sitcom. Um, it's got six seasons, so you know you've got a lot to watch. It's on Hulu. Right. I, I I think it's really fun, but it is not like cutting edge. It is not. It is not like the next office <laughs> by any means. Edge. So, yeah. so keep your you know expectations in track, but I, I in, it does in, in, in the mid zone. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 I like it. I've been missing a show like that. I keep trying to find shows like I missed. So I've got like happy endings is on my list. I probably need to see New Girl because that's supposed to be a good show too that I just never got around to watching. Yeah, I hear you. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. We're, we're toting out the rest of Fear of the Walking Dead, and, and I think we got other, you know, I'd like to I'd like to finish Night Court. I saw, oh, I, saw, I did see a trailer for the new one. Oh. Yeah, it was just like a I teaser. Yeah, it was coming just, out in the spring. Yeah. I thought it was coming out in, like, first quarter. I don't oh, know. Is it? I'm curious. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, 
Todd, that's the news, but you know what that means. That is not uh, the news. That is the geek easy. Damn, this, I, I do that all the damn time. Well, that was geek, that was that was our news. It, first, it was their news. This was our news. But at any rate, Todd, it's time to get your phone out, get that Air Qantas app. You know, we need those last class tickets to get down to the Thunderdome. The mutants are waiting. And boy, howdy, have we got a gem for them this week. So let's go. Welcome to another edition of Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, we're doing our breakdown of Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, this is uh, this movie is the sequel to uh, the biggest movie of all time that came out in 2012. Uh, 20, Avatar, the way of, 2009. 2009, okay. Yes. Close enough. Uh, this movie uh, essentially started production in 2016. Yep. Uh, COVID and other things obviously delayed it. Uh, they wanted to be in many as many theaters as possible um, because they view this as a event movie. And seeing it on your small screen definitely takes the, away the impact of all the technology they use. So mm-hmm. that is kind of what it is. Yep, so um, this movie was long. It was just over three hours. No end credits. Yeah. No end credits. Uh, so you didn't have to stay through right. the credits if you didn't want to. Right. Stay through the weekend song. And in fairness, full spoilers, we're, we're going all the way in. So oh, yeah. be warned. Yes. Well, I, I mean, unless you're spo- you don't want to know the weekend sing the move the song at the end of the movie. Oh, Todd, that that's that's the biggest spoiler you could drop. Yeah. People absolutely. were not properly warned. Oh my god. It was almost as big as the spoiler of Rihanna singing the end uh, movie in Black Panther 2. Oh my god! I know it just ruined the entire thing for me. Oh my I goodness! Oh yes, yes. So, um, so this movie uh, is essentially a direct sequel. It is. I don't. I don't know if they specifically said X number of years post. Well, the you last could. Movie. You could tell because you know obviously what's going on in this film is we see the end of the movie where you know the, the Pandorans uh, having won their war against the, the Earthers, as it were, mm-hmm. force them back onto their ship and send them back to Earth, which is a journey. A journey of an unspecified period of time. Obviously, they're sleeper ships, kind of like an alien. James Cameron does really love to stick with certain things. So sleeper ships, and they go all the way back to Earth. And during that time, Jake Sully, who's, you know... 12 years. um, Yeah, 12 years. There you go. I figured exactly. Because, well, those kids grew pretty fast then. Um, I was trying to figure out, like, the oldest kids, how old they were. They seemed like they were all teenagers, but it was only 12 years. But but it's, you know, that's that's judging in in human years. But at any rate, you know, yeah, so it was... Sam Worthington as Jake Sully and the Natiri is Zoe Saldana's character. They give birth birth to four wonderful children. Uh, one and then they ended up adopting um, uh, Kiri, who is played two by children, the yeah yeah really. They ended up uh, adopting two children. The first of which is Kiri, who is amazingly played by a de aged and avatarized Sigourney Weaver, which. I was really struggling with because Sigourney Weaver herself appears as an avatar in a tank and appears as herself in flashbacks and on video, Mm -hmm. uh, being a character from the first film. And then the second kid is the child who needs no clothing. Uh, Actor Jack Champion plays Spider, who is a... Uh, a toddler who is left behind when the humans leave because they he's too young to put in cryo. And we do find out that he is the child, probably bastard child, of the villain of the first film, actor Stephen Lang's character of Colonel Mike Quadrich. Quadrich? Uh, Quirich. Quirich, yeah. Quirich, yes, exactly. Yeah. Who, yeah. you know, the main crux of it is that his brain patterns were saved. They grew him an avatar body. 
as they did also, you know, create avatar bodies for several of, of his Marines who uh, obviously to feel comfortable, they have all their same tattoos. They're wearing the same clothes, including shoes, which I don't get because the regular uh, Navi people don't wear shoes. And it was, you know what, that pulled me right out of it, Todd. Really upset that me. Was <laughs> that, that was it? That was it? That, 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 that was the straw. That was the final nail in the coffin. Oh, my goodness. I, anyway, will, yeah. I, I will say about uh, Sigourney Weaver, apparently that avatar body was brain dead. Oh, okay. But just, still alive. It and was just, that they was just, her daughter um, okay. that they adopted. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, and don't know who the father was. And that was right, a exactly. joke, too. And that's what Joe, well, it's supposed to be your, your very, it's supposed to be Freddie foreshadowing into obviously a future film. Um, because we also find out throughout the film that Kiri has certain metaphysical powers, which one of the science guys just describes as, as epilepsy when she plugs into the yes. tree because yes. she has visions and all this different stuff. So anyway, that was to me very heavy handed for, foreshadowing for of which we did not get a payoff, but it's like, and you'll go see the sequel, right? Which of course there will be one because yeah. I'm sure this is already making billions, but at any rate, uh, to go get back to the story, the humans leave, uh, they come back in force, um, you know, with their new leader is a Marine general. And again, this is, it's United States Marine Corps. You know who that was, Charlie? Don't of course I do. That was, uh, uh Carmelina herself from Eddie, Edie, Falco. Uh, yeah, Edie Falco from Sopranos. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, being a badass general. Uh, I and the she could drink coffee from the mechs. I know the mechs, the mechs were, were great because they basically look like big old stick figures, but yeah, they had enough dexterity that they could like, you know, you could do stuff with your regular hands while still being tall enough to be as tall as the avatars yeah exactly and drink coffee or or all three at once um so yeah so anyway the uh the humans are back in force edie falco is a military leader she said hey you know what earth's dying off and we got to move everybody here to this world because we've screwed up the earth um so we need to pacify slash exterminate the natives so that's what's really going on here um to the point that uh, they start waging war. You know, they, they attack the forest dwellers, which is our main characters. A year goes by and you see that that our characters are insurgents with Jake Sully, obviously, as their leader because he has the Marine training. Um, but eventually they're driven off, um, you know, to protect the people. Jake and his family pack it off and they head, you know, they, they head east on their little flying birds or whatever off to the seas because there's a whole separate culture of the, of the Navi who are sea people. And they're led by actor Cliff Curtis, who is uh, who is Travis in early seasons of Fear the Walking Dead. And the magnificent Kate Winslet is his wife. She's not very nice about the fact uh, she's a little bit racist to the tree people. Tree people, see people, kind of never the twain shall meet. Um, yeah. So they, that's they, the, they seem yeah. to be inspired by the Ma- Maori of the Ma- Maori, uh, yeah. the New Zealand, right? Uh, which is which is where which which is Cliff, yeah. Cliff Curtis. That's his that's his his background. Yeah, and so. it might kind of remind me of Moana and the 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 the, the, uh, the the even the the way they animated them and and, and the, their facial features looked. And those those the sea creatures, the sea people, the Mainata, I think is what they were called. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. They mentioned they were they have developed to be uh, you know evolved to live within the sea um right. the, the almost like tails, tails, the hands, yeah. arms yeah. yeah so they could actually and it was funny that was kind of like yeah they this is almost like different tribes that they right. they they don't battle but they don't interact they it's, are yeah, essentially, it, it essentially is in the, trees, yeah, right. in the forest and we do this and right. yeah there was because i mean this movie had the theme one of the themes of this movie is basically essentially about protecting your family and that mm-hmm. was really the overarching story uh and and this was kind of a 
a handoff from the original generation to the new generation. This movie really focused on the kids and right. adapting to the new culture and um, and those type of things. So that was definitely a different take on this movie than the prior one, where it was just about stranger in a strange land. Right, exactly. So they spend the whole second hour of the film doing sea stuff and figuring out, you know, the intricate connections between the sea people and the sea creatures because they're very integrated on a kind of a, a spiritual and, and, and biological level between the characters in the sea. And then we also find out that the humans also have contracted, you know, merchant marine sea police who are out uh, and killing these giant um, alien space whale thingies that their brain tissue has a fluid that stops human aging. Oh, now it's, we're really, this is the unobtainium of this movie. Well, um, as, as this is kind of like the interesting part is like the, what is funding all of these things essentially is taking something um, to get something. I mean, right. you're not it's getting just, this stuff for free. Right? right. So that was, and that was the whole point. They say like, that's all you're taking is just right. this fluid versus well, leaving the body. And that's right, against exactly. a lot of cultures, like using all of the animal and respecting right. it. Right. The Native American culture is the, the bison or the buffalo yep. on, you know, on the open range. And, um, you know, so it was, you know, it was a pretty, pretty heavy commentary on that. And I leaned, I leaned over to April and I said, well, you know, if, if Kirk and Spock showed up, they could solve this in a minute. They just take them back to the 23rd century. It'd be no big deal. The one with the, whales but uh yeah so mm, so then finally obviously the merchant marine plus Stephen lang's you know avatar character tracks them down he's also taking taking his sort of son the kid who never gets a shirt spider doesn't need to wear shoes like i said it must be 120 degrees on this planet nobody ever gets cold because i gotta tell you Charlie, if he I is essentially around, a, he's essentially an RV because he was raised with them for the last 12 years. So why would he wear a shirt? I guess, but wouldn't he, I'm just saying wouldn't he get cold? You know, nights, the water, he'd be wet. I think he'd be, and he's he's wearing a loincloth. They are in a very tropical environment. I don't I'm think they have to worry just, about clothes. I'm just saying, it just, it just, it made my feet cold to look at this kid. We're going back to the, it must be, people are gross in the past. They wouldn't touch each other because they're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> you focus on some very specific things i just what can i say you know life is life is little moments but anyway yes. when we get to the last third of the movie very predictably obviously bad guys find the good guys it's a huge war uh and you know the the ship there the, the boat which is um hunting the whales uh comes into you know comes into conflict obviously with our heroes they bang the boat up it starts sinking we get a lot of titanic moments uh surprisingly kate winslet not in that part of the movie because she stays back uh in the village because she's pregnant um didn't want to go near a boat again very smart because saw how that worked out for her last time um and at the end of it you know, there's there's a mano a mano or avatar uh, versus avatar slug out uh, between Jake Sully and the Colonel, and at the end of it, Spider ends up saving his pseudo dad who's at the bottom of the ocean and and letting but doesn't go with him, so just but lets him go back and stuff. So obviously ensuring many sequels to come that <laughs> the Colonel survives. Um, and then at the end of it, uh, our people are the sea people accept them as one, and they brace themselves for what comes next. Yes, yes. in three hours in three hours and twelve minutes. Well, Charlie recapped the movie for you, so hopefully you have watched it. Because if not, then uh, you know it. That's yeah. why we call it a spoiler cast. Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this movie is. Um, 
this movie has a lot of baggage with it in regards to people. Uh, and it, I, I joked at the beginning, Charlie, because you're like, you have not liked this movie, the, the original movie since it came out. So I, I think it's very hard to shed like, oh, I hate this movie. Oh, I'll give it an open mind. I don't think that's possible. If you if you dislike the first movie, I don't think it's it's like if I disliked you know, something else. Yellowstone. Oh, I think there's biases baked in. There's like, I'm just waiting to like, I'm just waiting to pounce and let it come out. So I think I, the, the fact that I think for you to even like this movie, it, it would have had to been something significantly different. The fact that you are not high on this movie doesn't surprise me at all because um, I, I think there's elements of this thing that it's probably not your thing. So I think that's part of it. Um, whether it's well, a good but, movie or not, I think that's personal bias. I, mean, uh, I don't. I, I guess I. What part of this don't you think would be my thing? Um, because you like typically you like franchise sci-fi. You rarely branch off in sci-fi uh, or genre that is not a franchise. Like it doesn't have a touchstone of a character or something that you you you've enjoyed. Right, there's not a lot Maybe. of original new science fiction properties. You're like, I love it. Like the Expanse, when we think like doesn't grab me, Oxer. I'm like, but it's one of the most highest rated, and it hasn't grabbed you. So I, I kind of feel like you, you're that's not your your thing typically. All right, like well, sci-fi. okay, well, sell me on Avatar then. I'm listening. So, um, this movie, I will tell you, um, won me over visually. Agreed. It was it, it was funny. I was on our I was on our Discord uh, for for the Grand Petoskey talking with my people, and uh, it was the same thing. Like I was talking to, she said, "I said we're sitting in the theater waiting for it to come on," and she was like, uh, "I have no expectations for the story, but it will be very pretty." And I came back on after the movie, and she said in all in caps, "Was it pretty though?" <laughs> and it was. Yeah. Oh wow! Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. visually stunning, and you can see where other movies. And I'll put it this way. Marvel movies don't look this good. They just don't. They they cheap out on special effects. Well, um, they, compared, and, and, compared to like the Namor movie uh, or the Namor elements of the thing. The oh, water, yeah. when you look at it, it's like, yeah, that looks there, really well, yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I've never seen an alien landscape where they've done this. Yeah. And it is, I mean, and you compare it to, oh, it was all CGI or whatever it is. And that's what... You know, Lucas tried. Lucas did with the prequels. It was very handy, but it's very didn't age so well. But this was the first of these films were just a few years after that, and that visual style combined with this visual style still so potent from that first time around. I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's a weird mix of practical because they have real actors. It's not all green screen. They have things, people filming in the real the actors in the, in the, in the stick suits. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So for me, it's that's, that's the thing. Amazing thing. Um, the, the, we don't get a many original, like, uh, takes on foreign worlds, uh, you know, mm-hmm. every once in a while, Star Trek will do it. Um, but Star Wars barely does it. Cause they always have to go to the same with, and they're typically, Oh, it's, it's a, it's a planet, but we added some vines. This one felt truly like an <laughs> right. alien world, that right. was truly believable. And the things they brought to it were really cool. And some of the innovations I thought were interesting of how interconnected the people are to their environment. The fact that everything has a, you know, can connect is right. a cool idea. And that's not been really established anywhere else in, in genre fantasy. So I'm like, I appreciate how the world operates and those things. And a lot of people don't consider that. They think of plot 
and that's about it. Like, oh, it was a, it was a hackney pot. I'm like, but almost everything is a plot that's been done before. Think of almost every Marvel movie, Charlie. I, I all those yeah, Marvel like movies said, have I, exactly the same plot, and they well, mix and, them, and they where they're different. And they mix them with like comedy. Marvel is Marvel is something that it has a basis in printed work going back. 75 exactly. years. It's existing. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's an existing like franchise. Right. It's been, had years to establish itself. So I think this one where it really does it is we've never seen a world successfully brought to life like this. And that's impressive because typically when fantasy and science fiction tries to do that, it doesn't work. It's, it right. falls apart at the seams and you've seen, you've seen so many bad attempts that it's like to even get this where it's believable and it connects with people. That's a huge accomplishment outside of, you know, was in the film. I mean, <laughs> The thing about Avatar and all, and it was, I saw a poll on Twitter or somewhere that someone says, what was the last time you saw this movie? Last year, last month, 2009. Everybody says 2009. I don't really How many think, times did I see Titanic? You, I saw you, once. You, it was an event film. I don't need to see it multiple times. 100% not the person to answer how many times did I see a movie question. But to my but to make to make my point, yeah. um, this is a movie, while you're absolutely right, in 2009, 2010 was a blast of the billions it made, doesn't didn't really feel that it had a legacy of people like, I'm going back and watch those Avengers movies again. I'm is that, is that relevant, again. though? A movie doesn't have to be a fan base. It doesn't have to be. I, I think to... Putting that on it means it's kind of you're basically trying to put something on it that a film doesn't have to have. I just I don't know. It, a film doesn't I, I, have I, I, to I, have I, like I, I need to buy a lunchbox. I need to have I need cosplay. I found it. I found it to be kind of yeah. telling. I, but but again, that movie made a bazillion dollars. Yeah. This movie will do well. I don't know that if we looked at the numbers before we sat down here, but this was in the top five or seven of most expensive films ever made. Um, Will they accomplish something? You know, and again, if what they're looking to accomplish is to recreate the spark of this visually incredible world for the first film, that I think they did. And to expand upon it, also relevant. But you're right. I like, I guess not so many people out there because this is pulling high ratings both from critics and from audiences. I I just, I found the lack of of plot a drag in watching it. Really? I, I say I didn't care about the plot. I cared about the, 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 cause plot is just, it's this happened, this happened, this happened. Rarely do I say that had the best plot in the world and the movie was good because of it. I think it is more about the relationships, the storytelling and the way it went. And I think it did a great job at that comparative. This was about the family and the death of, of children and things like that. And I thought it was amazing. Yeah, the plot was thick, but like I said, most Marvel movies have the same plot. Plots really are different in most things, Charlie. I mean, I just, you talked about you love Yellowstone, but the plot of that is pretty much it's a story. But you I just love it. I just find it's quizzical that you say, "Well, the plot is not important, but the storytelling is." So I don't know. Well, but but, I don't but know. plot is just a, it, plot is just sequence of events. Storytelling is how you tell that and you differentiate. Well, and again. To the, to the credit of what they did, telling a story visually, yes, successful. Agreed. That I will agree upon. And that's what I was looking to see if there was something that was redeemable. In. But yeah, I got bogged, you know, that that third act where they're sinking in the ship and stuff. And I'm like, oh. My you know, heart pounded, man. That was riveting. I think it was so well done. The fights were well done. I Like I said, I think yeah. so many things were better done from an action sequence and and, and staging of, of, of stage pieces were so much better than Marvel movies. So I think that's a equivalent too. Because doing something like that with that big 
that size of an event is amazing. So like, like I said, I was just so riveted by the action and what was going on. My heart was racing kind of like in the Titanic, uh, James Cameron did. So to me, it's like when I put all that together, I'm like, yeah, this movie really, I know. I tell you, you know, the the, first one, the action scenes in Titanic, all those big fight scenes. (laughs) No, no. They'll get ship going up. Are they going to make it? I I I remember Charlie, I held my breath when that ship was going up. I held my breath because I'm like, I I felt like I was in the film. I understand. And I just, I just watched Titanic again and again. I watched it on a TV screen in a hotel. I just a couple of, just like two weeks ago. And yeah, it's still just really sucks you into. And I, that was one I saw more than once in the theater because it was, it was just so immersive and you're right. You felt the fear of them being on the back of the ship and it was at night and all the people, you know, dying in the, dying in the water and the ship crashes down on him, you know? Yeah. And again, in a movie where you knew how you're right in a movie in the way that you knew how it was going to end, I suppose looking at it from that point of view, if this movie you knew how it was going to end because there was going to be a big fight at the end and the bad guy would get away because, and they set up some stuff for the sequel. And, but yes, if, if you just kind of kind of stretch that all aside and just think about the, the exaltation of the water and the connection and the sure. That I, I mean, get. how does a movie make you feel? That's really what, how does it make you feel? If you take away the plot, it's like, did I come away? Like, excited you had a visceral action to it that's often more important than did they capture the thing did they do the thing i I think capture the thing because we're we're in genre and we're getting so much of that it's like i feel like so many movies are cut and like oh yep this is gonna happen and like like, i felt like yeah you just summed it up it was a lego movie did they take the thing and put it on the other thing absolutely and this movie lacked like a big like what did they do this movie is all about survival did they mm-hmm. survive? And that's what it was. And it was pretty simple. There weren't like a lot of like fetch quests. There weren't a lot of that. It was like fetch they were surviving quest. and they just had to survive. So there, the plot was thin because it didn't need a big plot. It was about survival. They were trying to survive. Um, kind of like the Predator, the Prey movie. The plot in that movie was pretty thin too. But it was what we loved about it was that. So I'm trying to get away from the plot because I feel like with sci-fi genre all these things, they have a they have all the same thir- three acts. This, that, and that. Big blue so, sky hole. So I could care less about yeah. the plot these days because I feel like it, I'm gonna get told a story and I wanna like the characters. And this movie I feel like did a much better job of um interacting with the characters, developing them, a different culture, um, all of those different things, taking time to just show you these beautiful areas. And they took his time. That's why it was three hours long. It wasn't because three hours because it needed that to tell the story. It was that because it wanted to develop a world where you actually could care about the environment you're in. And I don't think Marvel movies do that. I don't think sci-fi movies do that to a large extent. It's like, we're showing up, we're doing this. We got to, because they're so obsessed with getting to the finish line that they just don't take their time to, to, this is you so you're saying this is a there. this is a stop and smell the sea kelp kind of movie, kind of like to show you these things like this yeah, right. the, the, the side plot with the boy and that creature that was um, the outcast. the one with the with the with the yeah with the spike and the and, the, and, and that was about. a wonder that was a wonderful piece of like just developing a relationship um, and yes it came to fruition that he would help so obviously that's a plot element but that was oh, a not a plot element oh Todd exactly you, I know I hoisted, you're hoisted by your own petard exactly your, your plot element your your plot your plot uh, plot armor yeah there and I go. think they did a better job with actually making the new. Uh, group of people look more specific and different than each other versus well, the, 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 the Navi, the blue ones, 
it's, they're too similar looking. Well, I mean, the sea people, again, it was, it was evolution, you know, have they, mm-hmm. you know, however long that's where they've always been. So their bodies are, and they, you know, their, 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 their skin tone was different because the forest people live where there's, you know, perhaps more limited sun where the sea people are always in the water. So they're this much paler blue and their oh, eyes were a different ways, color. Yeah. Their mm-hmm. eyes were, you know, the, the, the tree people had yellow eyes. The sea people had blue eyes. And uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a West side story kind of thing. Cause you did, you had the girl who fell for one of the boys and in the family. And so you're right. Yes. Plot elements that were always, it was a grab bag of generica. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yep. But where, you know, you're right. This was story over plot. I suppose I can agree to that because it did accomplish. And again, it, it didn't just like, they didn't spend, they, they, it, you know, it could have been risked at like just repeating the first film by, having it all take place. Oh, we're going to fight in the forest. And we're going to keep fighting. Obviously he was stretching it out for a long, like, okay, we're coming back for the sequel because the Colonel got away and the, you know, I was going to call her Kiwi, the little Sigourney Weaver girl, you know, she's got, yep. she's got epilepsy slash powers that when she jacks into the, and there was the sea anemone that she plugged into that she was having visions of, you know, who her real father was. Cause she was talking to the, to the golem of, Sigourney Weaver and what does all that mean? So plot, you know, setting things up a little bit more long range. So, yeah, I mean, and I, I get it. Some people want that. And I, 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 you know, it is what it is. Um, I, but I, like I said, I think this movie is a completely, a huge improvement over the first movie. Um, cause I was not a big fan of that movie. I saw it. I recommend it. I, I, I accepted it for what it was. It was a lot of tech. And the story was secondary, yeah, you yeah. know. And, and I went back and it was funny. I forgot about this. I'm like, well, you know, should I rewatch the first film, or you know, should I watch it before going to kind of jog myself on the details? And I just, I just didn't, and I didn't have any interest in doing it after I saw the first one. But um, thought, you know, looking, you know, and that's that's a good perspective. Looking at it through the lens of story versus plot, which again, you know, we're, we're here to put one thing on the other thing. And it's a grab bag of tropes like, well, boy and girl, and the parents don't get along and the bad guy wants to get the thing because the thing is whatever, but they're going to have to do this to blah, blah, blah. So we got to fight evil. Yes. Plot is a grab bag. Well, and, and Charlie, we didn't get to talk about Black Panther because um, uh, you weren't on the episode. And, and I feel like Black Panther, the plot got in the way. That plot they had to accomplish so much and hit all these different beats. I felt like that movie was so damn clunky. It did some really good things, but I felt like that movie felt like it was just not a co- cohesive. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't blow my mind. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. Cause they were trying to set up the continuity of Wakanda and this thing and that thing. And, you know, Suri's journey from A to B to C Ironheart. Ironheart in. completely yeah. brought in because that services this thing, this and that thing, and Namor coming in, and you know what does that? How is what is that setting up? And yeah, you're right. And, I mean, and agent, agent, uh, what's his name? Oh and Carmelita yeah, what's his butt, Val? <laughs> You, you you remind me of that guy on uh, one of the, night, the late shows they bring in the Cuban guy who is just he's talking about stuff but he's giving it all the wrong names but they're captioning it all the way. You're that guy, Carmelita Von Trapp. You're thinking That's a good of one. yeah, yeah, got her. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but yeah, it was Agent Ross and it's what's Martin. Yeah. Mar- I was called is Martin Short, Martin not Martin Sheen, Martin. You know the guy I'm talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, Black Von Trapp, They're married. Yeah, and I know. 
uh, Katie, our, our recording partner, Kate, she loved that film, and I just, I just don't see it. You know, what I, I, mean? I mean, I liked parts of it, but as yeah. a cohesive film, I don't think yeah. you can say that and go like, yeah, that was a great film because it had eighteen different things that were competing for attention. That you're like, right. okay, what's what's the end story? And then, um, and and I don't know. I mean, and I know we're kind of sidebarring, but um, I don't think Shuri, the the actress, commands presence. She's that okay she, as that, kind of that like she, a that she carried, she she yeah, that she carried the movie. Yeah, you didn't really feel. But anyway, let's get off of this before hopefully nobody's listening and wants to blow apart. Exactly. Twitter. So yeah, but I, I was trying to give a comparison between yeah, plot and okay. story. You know, long movies and kind of like what they accomplished. Yeah. Different approaches to you it. Know, I mean, the, and the long movie thing doesn't kill me because no. again, when you're when you're doing something, when you're trying to really accomplish something, that is that that's going to take some time. You're not going to do that, you know, and it's, you know, TV shows now try to do it in 10 one hour blocks or whatever, 10 exactly. 45 minute blocks. So, yes, yeah, it's so accomplished in three hours makes sense. So what was was the plot substandard and boring? Yes. Was the story itself ambitious from a visual standpoint? Absolutely. So that's where I stand. <laughs> so we'll get to the actual rating now. So mm-hmm. with all of that, uh, good thoughts, because I took your, your impression. Yep, I, I totally agree. Plot was kind of lacking. Um, and hopefully um, I conveyed, I, I enjoyed the um, experience of being in the theater, the, the story beats, the elements of developing character and, and expanding the world to me worked mm-hmm. really well as a as compa- comparison to the original movie, which I didn't care for. Never watched it again. Didn't have any impact yep. on me at all. St- still so. have it. And it's one of those, if you watch it on a TV screen, it just looks like anything else. Exactly. The reboot was, the, the was better because they uh-huh. actually tweaked everything to look good to like this level. But right. and, yeah, and I'm, you, not, I'm not going to see it again in the theater. You saw it in 3D. This one, I saw it in 3D. I saw the original in, in I believe I saw it in theater. So. Oh, yeah. Um, so ratings. All right. So this time you go first. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give this one an eight out of 10. I I do recognize it had some gaps. It had some issues. Um, but it exceeded my expectations, which were pretty low going in. Um, I only expected to have it be a technical novel, uh, you know, novelty and be really crazy and make me put 3d glasses on for again. But other than that, uh, there were some elements I really enjoyed and some of the emotional touch points were there for me. So I, I, like I said, I'll give it eight out of 10. You know, if, if I was to look at this and I was to say five points max could be for story, five points max could be for plot. Um, I would have to give this probably a six, five because the story the journey that we took from leaving the forest and survival, which I love survival stories, why we love The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. why we love, you know, the Yellowstone, you know, shows that we've been watching survival, you know, survival against the odds, man versus nature, man versus self. Absolutely. The plot elements, like I said, gets like a star and a half for me because it was it was like, what yep. trope can we this, what sinking boat and what bad guy with bad, you know, you have the two marine biology guys and one's a real bastard and one's like, it was uh, uh, Jerome, what's his butt from Flight I know, I, like he, what he's doing, yeah. American accent too. And I'm like, I know. What? Why? And he, he was like, I'm doing this, but I don't like it. Now, here's my question. We know it's that the bad, guy. Yeah. the bad guy gets his arm ripped off and dies, obviously. Yes. What happened to Jerome? Did he get away? We don't I don't know. remember. Yeah, we don't know. So he might show up in the sequel. Yeah, he's um, a snarky guy, apparently. Yeah, yeah he was American a snarky movie. guy. But yeah, I thought I thought from a plot X, but like I give it like a one five. So this is a six five. That, that and you know what? That's more 
than I probably would have given, you know, not looking at it from the same perspective. So, you know, what? this was a this is one of our longer episodes, too. But I think, you know, what? I got something out of value from your perspective, which usually I'm just like, you didn't use the words dumb fun because it was not dumb or fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was. But I thought that's what I said to John. I said, if Oxtra comes into this talk about dumb nope. fun, I'm just going to throw my microphone up in the air. <laughs> I, and, and I will say, Charlie, you're absolutely right on the Sigourney Weaver and the daughter um, like her connection to the thing and be able to control it, like totally not told, like explained very well. And that well, was, it, just, it, it just felt like, Oh, that's a hook. That so that when like you get a, to the that, next one, that was like a plot like, element okay. to just add in to like be the, right. the deus machina to make things go forward. And right. weird to make Sigourney Weaver play a younger version of herself. That was weird too. Right. Exactly. Here's a little twist, but you know what? In fairness, an expression you like to use all the time. It was, it was a different take. It was something different. Usually don't see that. And not only was she de-aged, but she was also obviously mo-capped in the ping pong ball. They must suit, have done so. something with her voice too. Like right. to make it sound younger. Cause right. Right. Which again, enhances to the, the fact that from the, from a story standpoint, they were doing something that was so radically different, which was really yes. not such a bad thing. Yeah, All right. Let's wrap it up. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Avatar, Way of the Water, now in theaters. They need your money, so go see it. So they Disney, make, Disney's so count banking on yeah, it. Yeah, so that they can make another one. But Todd, uh, where can people find you out there on the internet? Yeah, at T Oxtra. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Hive is back, so I might go and gen, uh, go and journey on with on a Hive. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just done with fantasy football, so I don't have to talk about that anymore. Uh, but just having a good time interacting with fellow geeks in the world of nerd. Uh, right. There. And then just follow at Secret Friends You for all things you know that we're doing in all of our podcasts with all the exciting things that are coming in 2023. We're very excited for that. Uh, and then go to our website and see Absolutely. all of our content in one location. Correctamundo. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at the C3. It's kind of where I'm skulking around for news because I'm, I'm not so super... Hi on Facebook, though I do still need to use it sometimes. But the biggest jazz out there, not only for Secret Friends Unite, uh, but also for the USS Grand Petoskey, which is the Star Trek fan club chapter, one of the biggest in the world that my wife April and I run here in West Michigan. You can find us on a website of that name. But no, our Discord server for Secret Friends and uh, over there on the Grand Petoskey, if you're a member, you know, and you're listening to this and you haven't gotten on board, do it because that's where the, that's where the cool discussions are happening. That's where we're we're bouncing off. Yes, we're sharing memes here and there, but we're having great conversations, sharing news stories, the stuff that we always try to do on Facebook. We're having success doing it over on Discord, which is funny because six months ago I was like Discord, but you know what? It was a big change in in you know kind of the way that that Facebook did me dirty uh, it's turned me on to something else and I, I think that that's super cool so find us over there on discord ask to join and join the conversation uh over there so with that friends as always i'm going to tell you uh that thank you for listening to our show sharing is caring and to keep on trucking be the hero not the villain in a truck jake sully must die This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. 
Thanks for listening.